never rat on your friends, and always keep your mouth shut. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Hey, Mom, what do you think? You look like a gangster. I know I'd By the time I grew up, there was 30 billion a year in cargo moving through Idlewild Airport. Believe me, we tried to steal every bit of it. What do you do? I'm in construction. He's not Jewish. Mazel tov. For most of the guys, killings got to be accepted. Hey, Henry. Here's an arm. Very funny, guys. Here's a leg. Here's a wing. <laughs> what do you like, the leg or the wing? It's you. All right, here we go. My name's Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Pop Culturing, where we talk about, oh, where we talk about pop culture. Talk about uh, movies and TV shows. That's what I meant. Wow, I'm just all over the place here. There we go. A little technical glitch. You just wanted to hear a little bit more from Henry. Looks like it's going to be a good summer. Or there's, like, a, there's even a montage of Henry laughing on YouTube. Well, that's like something I want to talk about with this movie. Um, or as Tommy calls him, Henry. Hendry. Hendry. Um, is nice to meet you, Hendry. The way that Ray Liotta and the way that Robert De Niro laugh in this movie is like so meme ready. Yeah. Like what's the what's it's so over the top. I think it's infectious though too. It like, is. It's great. It cracks me up. Yeah. We laughed every time. Yeah. So this movie is uh, Goodfellas. So what is your history with? Do you remember when you first saw it? Do you remember who you're with? No. Um, I. You asked me if I saw it in the theater, and I don't know. Um, I don't think I did. I think I saw it on a DVD or a or a tape. My dad took me to it. So I, how old were you? Uh, let's see. 1990, so it was 18. You were 18. No, I did not see it at 18. Yeah. I don't think so. It kind I kind of think of Goodfellas as being one of those Gen X movies that we all saw. Mm-hmm. It became common, um, you know, quotes from the movie or just understanding what happened in the movie was part of being our age. Right. Um, budget was $25 million, which seems light. Yeah, does for today's day. Um, and it grossed forty six million, which seems light. Also, like this. So, is like, what was that for the year? Like, uh, you mean where did it place? Yeah, in compared to other movies, I guess uh, that's relative to me. Like, wh- was that good for that year? I have no idea. It oh. just seems like you know, like whatever. All these big hits now make hundreds of millions of dollars, and the fact that this made a measly forty six just seems, you know, it's regarded as one of the. I think one of the better movies ever made. No? Well, this gets into a very interesting discussion. I don't want to get too far off of Goodfellas, but you know that Martin Scorsese is like in the middle of a, of we would call a cultural conversation regarding whether or not Marvel movies are real movies. And didn't Coppola weigh in on that too? He sure did. Um, so two things happened. Number one, Scorsese was doing, and do you say Scorsese or yeah. do you say Scorsese? Scorsese. Okay. So Scorsese was doing an interview. He had a brief comment about he didn't think Marvel movies were true cinema. It was this whole long article, but that was the only thing that went viral. So then he went back and did a Washington Post opinion piece Mm. to explain what he meant. And I read it. And basically he was just saying that it doesn't have, like to him, cinema 
is going into a place where you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what the outcome is going to be. You're going to be surprised. There's an element of, um, you know, it taps into the humanity of people, the darkness, all that kind of stuff. And Marvel, you know, relatively speaking. You mean when you're directing these actors type thing? Um, no, I think the the cinematic experience. Like if you're going into a Marvel movie. So there's movie, no fluidity to what might correct. unfold. And he used a lot of examples like Hitchcock movies. The reason people went to Hitchcock movies is because you didn't know where you were going. Yeah. You had no idea where you're going to be left. And and it's much more, it's a long article, so I couldn't, yeah. and I, I couldn't do it justice. But there are a lot of people that, you know, it was obviously up on Twitter and a lot of people reposted it, a lot of actors and actresses, directors, and said, yes, this. Now, I don't really have a comment on whether or not. I think what I'm commenting on is the fact that what you're talking about is how much money a movie makes. Yeah. Whereas there was a time that every... Um, what they're not called producers. Um, they're the ones who put out the movies. What are, what is that called? The, the company that you go to that like markets the movie for you. Um, kind of like the 21st century, yeah, yeah. Or, you know, Warner those, brothers, all that the stuff. promoter, whatever they're called that they would always do movies like Goodfellas. Yeah. They would always have a movie like life of pie. They mm. would always have a movie like, um, something that wasn't like a big, shoot em up fast and furious kind of movie they had just regular movies yeah. and that as we know is no longer really happening in the movie theater no. um and i blame ourselves of course we're not going to see them and television has come back in vogue yeah. where you can do that and, and scorsese even says in his washington post opinion piece i'm now part of it because the irishman mm -hmm. which is coming out this year i think in december yeah is going to air, or not air, it is going to be on the big screen for a couple weeks and then it's on Netflix. Yeah. Netflix is the one who gave him money. So he's like, now I'm in it too, but let's not pretend. Are we going to go see The Irishman? Uh, yes, for at sure. At the theater? It's these three guys that we love. Yeah. Well, Pacino's not in Goodfellas, but. No, he's not. I heard that he got offered one of the roles. I don't know if it's Jimmy Conway or something, but anyway, so um, these are the Academy Award nominees that this picture got. Best Picture, okay. Best Director, Best Film Editing, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Supporting Actor, Joe Pesci, and Best Supporting Actress, Lorraine Bracco. Which of those do you think so they won? So De Niro won? didn't win, huh? He wasn't or De Niro even nominated. Wasn't nominated. Well, I know who won. Pesci won. Oh, yes. That's right. Pesci did win, didn't uh -huh. he? Uh-huh. He did. Um, I was going to play. I don't know if I can find it. I was going to play his acceptance speech, which is kind of funny. Maybe I'll try to find it. Um, and here's what came out for uh, the best movies. Okay. Dances with Wolves, Awakenings, Ghost, Godfather Part 3, and Goodfellas. Same again. Dances with Wolves. Dances with Wolves. Awakenings, Ghost, Ghost. Godfather Part 3, and Goodfellas. I'm shocked Godfather Part 3 is in there. Um Dances with Wolves won. Correct. And Kevin Costner won Best Director. Yes, he did. Um, so Goodfellas did not win. Do you support that choice? Dances with Wolves? Yeah. A hundred thousand percent. That's all one that, of my favorite movies. That's a lot of percent, sweetie. Well, uh, all those movies were good. I, I, Godfather 3, I'm not sure about. Um, but the Goodfellas, is, Awakenings also had De Niro in it. Yes, it did. And he I liked that. Year. People, I've heard people kind of diss that movie now in hindsight, but I liked it at the time. Robin Williams. Um, you ready to hear Joe Pesci's acceptance speech? Uh, sure. Uh, 
Well, it's my privilege. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Is that it? That's it. <laughs> That's so great. You know what? I don't remember what award shows were going on in 1990, but by the time somebody gets to the Oscars, mm-hmm. sometimes those people have won like five awards. Yeah. They've done a Golden Globe. They've won a SAG. They've won maybe. Well, and a- apparently he's, he did that because he didn't um, think he was going to win, which always drives me nuts when they're like, oh, I, there was no way I was going to win. Right. You're, you're one of five. You may be the underdog, but, but I love the fact that it was short. Now, some people may have thought like, oh, what kind of a jerky way. He didn't way. care, right. But I bet he spoke at the, I'm sure he won a Golden Globe or a SAG, and sure. I'm sure he spoke very eloquently then or said something funny. Um, but yeah, now I, I get that, not everybody can be nominated and sometimes they're nominated for specific scenes or a body of work that they've had over their lifetime. But Ray Liotta's awesome in this movie. Yeah. And he was cast interesting because he wasn't, I don't know if he was, was he like hard to work with? Did I think maybe after this movie, I don't, re- I don't remember Ray Liotta before this movie. Oh, of course I do. Mm-hmm. He was in Field of Dreams. Yes, he was. Okay. And he was also in, uh, what's it called? With, uh, Melanie Griffith and... Something Wild. Yes. yes. I was going to say Flap. <laughs> Jeff Daniels? Yes. Flap. Um, but anyways, I I thought Leota, he kind of tied the whole movie together. Oh, yeah. And that young version of him, of mm-hmm. Henry, mm-hmm. looks just like him. Sweet, his name is Hendry. Hendry. And young Hendry... Good to meet you, Hendry. Uh, I don't know what his name was. Sorry to the actor who did it. Uh, they had to put in uh, colored contacts. I was him. wondering because Ray Liotta has such blue eyes. Yes. He was really good, too. It was a really subtle version of Henry. So I guess just one step backwards. It's weird that we're doing this like violent. <laughs> it's so weird. Like this is such a uh, movie where there's not a lot of redeeming characters in it. Mm-hmm. And usually movies that we do either makes us laugh or there's redemption in one way, shape, or form. And in this one, it's just a really good movie with a lot of bad people. You know what? There isn't a center, is there? Doesn't seem like it. There isn't a center because even Henry's dad beats the crap out of him. So even though he's not in this world mm. of gangsters, he's not a great example. Speaking of this... can't make any more deliveries. What do you mean you can't make any more deliveries? You're going to fuck everything up. My dad said he's going to kill me. Look. Come on with it. Is that him, dead kid? No. How about him? Nope. That's the guy. Get him. Excuse me. Yeah? It's from Meg. You know this kid? Yeah. You know where he lives? Yeah. Deliver mail to his house? Yeah. Well, from now on, any letter from that school to that kid's house comes directly here. You understand? Yeah. Another letter from that school. They're beating up the mailman. I just don't know. <laughs> like, I know this is like in the 50s, but they're even- the parents are eventually going to find out. Well, like, I just don't in, get in it. In the narration right after that, yeah. Henry says, you know, not only did those letters not come, but our mail stuff come and my mom had to go to the post office. So eventually she's going to get those letters. It's such a short-term fix to I the problem. Know, I know. And, you know, and maybe that's the whole point is that they didn't have anything but mm. violence to yes, offer. I guess so. You know, I, I think it makes the point. So 
I, let's discuss why we're doing this movie because okay. you're right. I would, if Goodfellas came out today, I don't know if I would go see it. Yeah. I think this was a time, first of all, of Scorsese. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like you, it was one of the best pictures. Sure. Like it was the way it was filmed. Yep. Um, you talk to a lot of um, filmmakers who came after this movie and they use it mm-hmm. as a, like a role model. What's the word I'm well, looking they for? Stole some, some of, of his the ideas, scenes. Like swingers. Exactly. Deals from him and. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff. Exactly. So it's this is, I think, what he's talking about when he's talking about cinema. It's the right. way that it was filmed, the way that he uses music in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, there is a scene that is so uncomfortable to me. There's so many scenes in this movie that are uncomfortable. But the one that's most uncomfortable yeah. is the guy who got his wife the pink car. Yeah. And then Jimmy, who is Robert De Niro, realizes that these guys in his crew who did this big heist right. are not going to be able to keep it quiet, right? Even either by their behavior or by who they talk to. Mm-hmm. So you see the scene where Layla is playing. Is it Layla? I don't remember. It's the it's the the. I want you to play it. It's um. It's with the pink Cadillac, right? Correct. And the pink Cadillac and both the guy and his wife have been shot Mm -hmm. and they are just sitting in the Cadillac and this song is playing. And this is the whole point. Mm -hmm. It's so uncomfortable. Yet we're watching it. When Jimmy just starts killing everybody. Yes. But that scene specifically because of the song that's playing. It's kind of the theme that comes after Layla, the, the piano. Jimmy was cutting every link between himself and the robbery, but it had nothing to do with me. I don't know how far I should go with it. Is that is that Layla? Yeah. Okay. That's what what's I interesting thought. is that's the middle of the song Layla. Well, and that's what I mean is like, it's so discombobulating and what we're being forced to look at is so horrible. Yeah. The guy hanging in the meat locker, the guy in the garbage truck, uh, in the, the couple in the pink Cadillac. And I think that, that one thing that Scorsese is known for, or what I've heard a lot of other directors talk about, maybe even, um, Quentin Tarantino is the ability to film something violent with humor Mm -hmm. or, or that music that kind of modulates your experience with it. Sure. And so you can look at it, but I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm just saying it's an interesting filming technique and it works really well. Yes. You get a feel for it. Yes. And I don't even think I liked the song Layla until the movie came out. Yeah. And then I'm like, How oh. did you not like the song, Layla? I don't know. It wasn't my thing. What about the beginning of that song? It's the best opening riff of any song. Really? Yes. No way. No way, Wade. Yes. Sweetie, and you know what the second best opening Kickstart my is? heart? No. Dr. Feelgood. But Layla is first. Um, all I can find is the unplugged version. I don't no, think you want that, sweetie. I don't. There's got to be, like, go on YouTube or something. There's got to be. How do they not have the original? That's live, too. 
Yeah, pretty good. Yeah. Clapton, he, he's kind of good at what he does. You think? Um, so I want to play one of the more famous scenes from the movie sure. and then ask a quick question. Okay. <laughs> oh, Pete, oh, how the fuck is... Gee, I wish I was big just once. <laughs> You're a big you're a really funny. You're really funny. Uh-huh. What do you mean I'm funny? <laughs> it's, it's funny, you know. It's a good story. It's funny. You're a funny guy. <laughs> what do you mean? You mean the way I talk? What? It's just, you know, you're, it's, you're just funny. It's, it's funny, you know, the way you tell the story and everything. Funny how? I mean, what's funny about it? Tommy, no, you got it all wrong. It's... Oh, Anthony. He's a big boy. He knows what he said. What'd you say? Right. Funny how? Just, what? Just, you know, you're, you're funny. <laughs> you mean, so? well, let me understand this, because I don't, you know, maybe it's me, I'm a little fucked up, maybe. But I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you. I make you laugh. I'm here to fucking amuse you. What do you mean funny? Funny how? How am I funny? I'm not just, you know how you tell a story? What? No, no, I don't know. You said it. How do I know? You said I'm funny. How the fuck am I funny? What the fuck is so funny about me? Tell me. Tell me what's funny. Get the fuck out of here, Tommy. <laughs> you motherfucker. I almost had him. I almost had him. Stuttering, yeah, stuttering prick yet. Um, first of all, that's hilarious. And I can listen to that scene now because I've listened to it so many times yeah. that I love its resolution. Right. So I'm willing to sit through that. The uncomfortable. But the first time yeah. was hard. Well, and apparently Scorsese didn't, Scorsese didn't tell the other actors what was happening, which I don't, who knows if that's true, yeah. but that's what I heard. And then he came up with the idea because Pesci told him that this happened to, to him. him. Okay. Younger. Now, my, here's my big question, though. Henry, Hendry. Hendry. Was selling cigarettes with Tommy when they were little kids. Right. And I assume that the Tommy from before is the Tommy yeah, it's now. Tommy. Mm-hmm. They are like good friends. Correct. From like decades. Correct. I don't buy it. But I see, don't buy that 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 Henry, <laughs> Henry would be scared and that Tommy would do this to his good friend. But Todd, that's not what happened. The tension is but is about us watching it. Look at what Leo, Leota does. He says, no, this is not real. He but, knows. But, but no, he, uh, Henry, Ray Leota. Just call him Henry. We're, con- we're confused, everybody. Um, there is a m- moment in that uncomfortable silence where he's like, I don't even know why you're doing this. I know, but I, okay, I, I agree with you. Like, what you're trying to say is they're good friends. Why would, right, but... Todd, Jimmy just killed four of his old buddies and threw them in a meat locker. Like, so. this is I not just the friendships These... that we're talking about. I don't know. I, I just don't buy that. I think that that scene serves for, a, is a few things. Number one, the the release that we get that Henry says, get out of here. Mm-hmm. I know you're messing with me. And the fact that Tommy right away is like, that's all you had to do. Mm-hmm. You just had to know me. Right. He's kind of like testing him. Yeah. And he's trying to make everybody else uncomfortable. Like, you're right. Henry's uncomfortable at first because I think he's trying to figure out, does he is he misunderstanding what I said? Yeah. Has he forgotten who I am? Right. But the resolution of it is more important than those couple of minutes of discomfort right. is that you realize they do know each other well. 
I also think it's a really important character development scene for Tommy. Mm -hmm. Because even though you get to see a million other times what a hothead he is, Mm -hmm. and that's not even a strong enough, you know. Yeah, he's a killer. He's horrible. Horrible. He's a psychopath. Who's the most sane person in this movie? Um, Gotta be Karen, right? I was going to say, I hate to say it's Karen. Even though she gets all coked up at the end? Yeah, at the end, I think Karen... Karen gives in to the inevitable. She, I kind of, I was watching it and kind of thinking about her compared to um, Sopranos. Mm -hmm. Um, What's her name? Um, I don't know, but I'll figure it out. Tony and, come on, we got it. We can't just leave it out there. Our poor brains. Well, I I mean, I, I can remember her car, but I can't remember her name. Tony Soprano. Um, Her... You find it for me, so I don't have to do two things at once. I was thinking about how if you... Because here's the thing she says. There's a scene in the movie where Ray Liotta kind of kicks the crap out of a guy with the the butt of a gun Mm -hmm. because he attacked Karen. Right. And he comes back to Karen and hands her the gun and says, hide this. And she, her narration is, that's the point when you run. Dr. Jennifer Melfi. No, it's not Melfi. I'm not talking about Lorraine Bracco's. Oh, who are you talking about? I'm talking about the the wife. I'm talking about um, Tony's wife. What's her name? Oh, Carmela? Carmela. Thank oh. you. I'm not talking about Melfi. Got it. Got I, it. I, yeah. What I meant is when you are the wife of a gangster. Got it. Yeah. What happened? You what succumb you to their do? world. Exactly. And you kind of pretend. And so, again, let me finish what I just said. Is he gives her the gun. She says, that's when you run, but it actually turned me on. Right. She liked the power. She li- And in the opening scene, after, after they get married, mm-hmm. that's when she meets all the wives. Mm-hmm. And the narration is fascinating. Yeah. Because she's like, they don't even dress well. Mm-hmm. They, they look beat up. They look beat up. They look dead-eyed. Mm-hmm. And she's looking around going, this is my future. But she accepts it. Because of whatever she, I mean, I don't think. there's one part she doesn't accept. Your father never stayed out all night without (laughs) calling. Stay out? Daddy never went out at all, Ma. Keep out of it. You don't know how I feel. Feel? How do you feel now? You don't know where he is. You don't know who he's with. He's with his friends. Dad! Will you leave him out of this? He's suffered enough. The man hasn't been able to digest a decent meal in six weeks. Love this scene because he just leaves. What's wrong with you, Henry? Shut up. Normal. She's right. What's wrong with you, Henry? What kind of person are you? What is the matter with you? Tommy, come on. That's a hilarious scene because he He doesn't even say anything. He's like totally like drunk and hungover at the same time because it's like six a.m. First of all, what are these three grown-ups doing waiting for this adult man to come home? Well, other than to just why are Henry and Karen living with her parents? That was another one of my questions. If he's a Fancy gangster. I don't think he had made his big money yet. Really? Yeah, because right. that kind of... I think he had the power, yep. meaning the people were afraid of him. But I think his big money came from drugs? They, Is just that stole, he, they stole everything. 
That's how where he got their money. I know, I know how they got their money, but when did their life start to change? Because I know drugs was a big. I thing. don't know if there's any moment where they hit it big. They just kept stealing and stealing, and Paul. The the longer they did it, Polly gave them protected more money. them, gave mm-hmm. them more money, and everything else. Yeah, Polly's like really in charge. Yes. Um, you know something. Speaking of Sopranos, something Todd and I noticed in this viewing was that the scene with the mailman that you played, yeah. the, the guy holding him is Polly Walnuts. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, and we're like, hey, Polly. In there this movie, um, you know that at this time or like '90s in the 2000s, like the same guys were getting cast in all these gangster movies. Yeah. So I don't want to get too far off Goodfellas, but talking about why this movie is so big for our generation, there was Goodfellas, mm-hmm. and obviously we're coming off of Godfather. That was kind of our parents' yeah, movie parents that movie. we got into, so we were already in that mindset of being interested in mobsters and gangsters. And then there was Casino, mm-hmm. which was obviously a different setting, but it was... I thought it was way too similar to Goodfellas, and I, I didn't like Casino. I did. I like stories that are told over a long period of time like that. Yeah. I like seeing their evolution. It's it like Legends of the Fall, yeah. you know, like where you kind period of... Period pieces. Period pieces where you're like, okay, you see them. And Casino's heart-wrenching. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, Goodfellas is heart-wrenching, but... I have a separation between myself and them. I agree. I think Goodfellas is an easier watch than Casino. You know why? For me, Sharon Stone, because she is having the experience that I think we're supposed to be relating to. Well, James Woods is so awful. Oh, he's awful to her. And he's, but she loves him. Yeah. And just the whole, it's so bad. So you're kind of pulled into the emotion by her. Where in Goodfellas, there's nobody I identified with. There's nobody that I was like super pulling for. Mm-hmm. Um, I was bummed about Tommy. I the first time I saw it, I was bummed, and the reason I was bummed is I was sad for Robert De Niro. And when he started crying, oh, Jimmy, uh, the that scene where he, I always wonder that scene when he slams the phone again, yeah. if that was him. Mm-hmm. Don't you always wonder with De Niro? Like, is that what he, is that his natural response? Well, he went from. Uh, so anger, excited. yes. Well, except joy, joy to anger, to sadness, all within thirty seconds. Totally. Um, and speaking of like masculinity and toxic masculinity and healthy masculinity, um, this is just an example of how respect. We talked to Rosalind on Zen Parenting, our other podcast, Rosalind Wiseman, and amongst boys, the currency of of social climbing is respect. Correct. Also, it's also uh, comedy, like laughter. Like the funnier you are, the higher you are the on youth, the social right. ladder. Mm-hmm. But this is an example of how respect is so important in this hyper masculine world. Okay. Hey, no, you're my life. All right, good. We're getting too big on me Just now. Don't go busting my balls, Billy, okay? Hey, Tommy, if I was going to break your ball, I'd tell you to go home and get your shine box. <laughs> Oh, this kid, this kid, this kid was great. They, they used to call him Spit Shine Tommy. I swear to God, oh, he make your shoes look like fucking mirrors. Excuse my language. He was terrific. He was the best. And he made a lot of money too. Salute, Tommy. No more shines, Billy. What? I said no more shines. Maybe you didn't hear about it. You've been away a long time. They didn't go up there and tell you. Uh, I don't shine shoes anymore. Relax. Where you fuck right now? What's what's got into you? I'm breaking your balls a little bit. That's all. I'm only kidding with you. Sometimes I mean, you don't sound like you're kidding. You know, there's a lot of people around. I mean, I'm only kidding with you. We're having a party. I mean, I just came home. I haven't seen you in a long time, and I'm breaking your balls, and you're right away you're getting fucking fresh. I'm sorry. I don't mean I'm to right. offend you. I'm sorry, too. It's okay. No problem. Okay. Salute. Now go home and get your fucking shine box. Oh. Motherfucking... Oh, God. You, you fucking piece of shit. 
Every time I watch that scene, I'm like, just stop talking after salute. Well, and Billy thinks that he's immune because he's a made guy. Well, he is immune, right? Well, he's supposed to be. He's supposed to be, but what I mean. Until Jimmy and Tommy break the rules. Right. And I don't understand why Jimmy does that for Tommy. Like, I don't, I guess he doesn't have a choice once Tommy goes crazy. No, because he comes back and gets Billy. Because in that moment, they pull them apart. Tommy says, keep him here. Yes. Billy is like, whatever. I'll stay here the whole time because I'm a made guy and I'm immune. Right. And then all of a sudden, you know, they kill him. Jimmy's in on it, though. And what's interesting is Henry is a kind of like a neutral, comparatively speaking, calm guy. Like... When they're beating the crap out of Billy, he's just on the side right. looking. And when they're putting, when Tommy's putting the knife into oh, Billy's gut, horrible scene. And horrible scene. Robert De Niro shoots him. Horrible scene. Henry's just sitting there. Like the only time we see Henry going crazy is when he beats that guy up. And on Karen. And on Karen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are the two moments. Mm-hmm. But anyways, it's, I just wanted to play that. Like all, you know, the minute that he's disrespected in such a public fashion yeah. like eight people at this yeah. small bar could he's hear. done he's done that's it well and again tommy is a sociopath yes. you know what i mean like he doesn't have empathy for other people he the you I, this is why scorsese movies are so interesting because you do get to meet his mother mm-hmm. and he loves his mom yeah his mom is like oblivious yeah to what's going on in his world yeah um but he does not have a sense, obviously, that none of them have a sense of what's right and wrong, or they do and they don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like they, <clears throat> Ray Liotta's narration is good about that when he's, it's the younger Ray Liotta. You know, it's earlier in the movie when he's saying, you know, we, it was just the way it was, and we didn't even think about it. Right. Like, it's kind of like growing up with something where it's what you see every day. So you're not questioning, is this illegal? It's just what we do. Right. I'm not saying that's an excuse. I'm just saying it's he. It, the, the writing's really well done. Yeah, um, yeah Tommy, I mean, th- that scene is like, that to me is more uncomfortable than the clown scene. Um, it's all <laughs> uncomfortable. So was Billy in prison? And did uh, they just... didn't say. Okay. They didn't say. But, yeah, obviously it didn't go well for Billy Bats. And what's interesting in Casino, Billy Bats, the the actor who played Billy Bats, ended up be- killing Joe Pesci. Yeah. So the tables were turned. And they beat, they killed Joe Pesci by literally beating him with a baseball bat until he died. Bats. Billy Bats. Oh, yeah. yeah. There yeah. you go. So a little like, what did we call those? Easter egg for people who love Scorsese movies? Right. Um yeah, and if you really listen to what Billy says mm-hmm. before he says the last go get your shine box, he's actually just telling a story. Right. Which is the kid did great shines, he made a lot of money. It, he there's a if Joe Pesci, if it was Henry that he was breaking his balls as mm-hmm. they say, yeah. I don't think that would have happened. Yeah. It was just because it was Tommy. So many scenes I want to play, but I this is one of the hardest for me. Okay. Hello. Hello. This is Karen Hill. I want oh, to talk to you. Brutal. Hello? Hello? Don't hang up on me. I want to talk to you. You keep away from my husband. You hear me? Hello? Oh. Open the door! Answer me! I'm going to tell everyone who walks in this building that in 2R, Rossi, you are nothing but a whore. Is this the superintendent? 
Do you hear me? Um, the reason it's heartbreaking is because she has her two kids with her. Yeah, they're sitting there listening to the whole thing. And the kids are around in that moment when she's holding a gun on. I mean, they don't. I don't know if they see her holding the, the gun, but when she's got a gun pointed at Henry while he's asleep, yeah. and then he turns the gun on her and like kind of kicks her and yeah. kicks her off the bed. So, and their kids are watching all of that. I think uh, Karen's anger is a little misdirected. Oh, honey. I mean, <laughs> come on. Of course. Of course. I had never made any sense to me whenever anybody goes after the per like let's say your partner is cheating and you get mad at the other party. But see, now yes, you do understand that because imagine, I don't want you to imagine it with me, but like imagine you're younger and you're dating somebody and then she ends up with another guy. You want to kill that other guy. Not literally kill. I'm not talking good fellas. I'm talking right. like you get mad at the other guy. Now, I'm not saying that's right. Obviously, if this was Zen Parenting Radio, we'd talk about that being super misdirected. Right. But this is always what ends up happening. Yeah. Unless you are super self-aware and recognize that that other person is just has nothing to do with you that really the choice to go with somebody else is about your relationship i mean if you're gonna try to scare that third person henry's gonna go find another girl of course but she's karen is not the sharpest tool yeah i'm speaking rationally and that's not i mean this is she chose to go into this marriage and she knows what's going on he doesn't come home for days and and again, I'm not. It, this is gets so hard to talk about because obviously it's not okay, and obviously Karen has every right to be angry, and obviously Henry is the one who's wrong. But she also came into a system mm-hmm. that is set up that girlfriends on Friday night, or is it girlfriends on Saturday night? I think girlfriends are on Fridays. Girlfriends on Friday night. Goombas. Goombas on Friday night. Wives on Saturday night, and that's the system. Mm-hmm. And maybe she didn't know all of these specifics. But, you know, in their first week of marriage, he was not coming home. Yeah. So this is not like a shock. Yeah. Um, So to your point, yes, it's Janice Rossi in 2R. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to just rip through a few of these questions. I don't expect you to know the answer, but these are some of the things that came to me as I was watching. Okay. Why wasn't Henry in on the Latanza heist? I don't know. He's in on all the others. I don't get it. So Uh, somebody knows the answer to that. Shoot me an email. Okay. Todd at Zen Parenting Radio. I'm glad he's, he'd be in a meat locker if he was. Why wants. does Jimmy say forget about tonight when he says to Henry that he's going to kill Maury? And then he's like, forget about tonight. And he ends up killing him anyways. I think he knows that Henry's not up for it. Oh, he gets okay. Tommy to do it. Um, I just love the part where Jimmy's crying after he finds out oh, yeah. Tommy dies. Yeah, it's sad. And Henry doesn't know how to console He's him. like, it's okay. Yeah, he like, <laughs> he's like petting him. Petting him like a pet. Um. <laughs> This is a question that I think everybody has. Was Jimmy really going to kill Karen? Um, I think so. I think that... I think he deliberately... Scorsese deliberately leaves, leaves that open, open for but, interpretation. But you think he was? If you are in Karen's mindset, which is being paranoid, yeah. um, which, as you can see when she comes back home, Henry's yeah. like, where have you been? Then, of course. Um, and Jimmy has... I mean, we know that... Jimmy has demonstrated that he's willing to hurt his friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know that I think a scene after that or a scene before that, he asks Henry to do something for him in yeah, Florida. Goes to Florida and and Henry knows that if he goes there, he's, he's not, not gonna survive. Yeah. So I think yes. Um Karen and Henry really bonded at the end of the movie. <laughs> Do you mean when they're like they with just their... had a really rocky marriage, and then the minute like their world went to crap, they like loved each other again. 
yeah. until they got divorced. In real life, they got divorced. Right. Um, well, and do you think they loved each other or they were trying to survive? I mean, maybe they loved each I think, other. I think it's a good point. I think they were in survival mode. Because if you remember correctly, when she's with that prosecutor or defense guy who's like, he was the real guy, right? Mm-hmm. The guy that they're He's talking the to. Guy. He was the real guy who actually prosecuted Henry. Right. Um, he, She's like, they want him, not me. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Karen. Karen, I've heard all the, all the tapes. Bugs yeah. and everything else. Yeah. So she's willing to throw Henry under the bus. Right. Until she realizes they've got everything on her, too. Um, so as we wind down this podcast, because uh-huh. we got just a few minutes left, I want to talk about the ending. Okay. 30 grand over a weekend, and then I'd either blow the winnings in a week or go to the Sharks to pay back the bookies. Didn't matter. Didn't mean anything. When I was broke, I would go out and rob some more. We ran everything. We paid off cops. We paid off lawyers. We paid off judges. Everybody had their hands out. Everything was for the taking. And now it's all over. And that's the hardest part. Today, everything is different. There's no action. I have to wait around like everyone else. Can't even get decent food. Right after I got here, I ordered some spaghetti with marinara sauce, and I got egg noodles and ketchup. I'm an average nobody get to live the rest of my life like a schnook. Do you remember whose version of My Way this is? I know the voice. I have it written somewhere. Um, Because I guess Sinatra did, I don't know if Sinatra was alive, but they didn't want to give him rights. So then Scorsese bought the rights to the punk version? version. Um, so I just don't, I don't know if there's any good way to end this movie, but I just felt like unfulfilled. First of all, why does he break the fourth wall in the last scene of the movie? And it just didn't, it seemed weird to me. What did you think about him? Sid Vicious. Sid Vicious. Mm -hmm. When did you, what did you think about him? Like looking at the camera? I was fine with it. Were you? It was over. Yeah. I I mean, and did he not break? He was breaking the fourth wall through the whole movie. He was talking to us. He was narrating. narrating, Right. But but he never looked at the camera. I guess what I mean is you feel his presence narrating at the whole time. I know that maybe that's, we've talked about this before about Mm -hmm. what the true definition of the fourth wall is. Right. But he was, um, you know, he was talking to you the whole time anyway. Right. So I was fine with it. I thought it was a sad ending because he would never no matter what he had he his his system had been created for something completely different right like to believe that henry hill was going to go completely straight is ridiculous no like then, he wasn't he like on howard stern all yeah the time? he was on howard stern i think he has died so a few random facts latanza heights was solved in 2014 most of the surviving members were arrested okay so jimmy was arrested well, Jimmy was arrested because of Henry's uh, testimony. Oh, so, so you're talking, what you're talking about is a completely different. 24 years <gasps> later. Oh, my God. That's what it said. Now, this is um, just what I read on the internet. Okay. So who knows? Jimmy Burke, on whom Jimmy Conway was based, would have been eligible for parole in 2004. He died of lung cancer in 1996 okay. while still in prison. Uh, one of the little girls who plays Henry and Karen's daughters is Lorraine Bracco's daughter oh. with Harvey Keitel. Yes, they were married. I had no idea. Yes. Uh, later in life, 
of Henry Hill after he enters the witness protection. Oh, we talked about, oh, um, he enters a witness, witness protection program, was also adapted more humorously into My Blue Heaven the same year. Appropri- appropriately, that film was written by Nora Ephron, <laughs> who is Nicholas Peleg- Pelegi's wife, who I think was one of the directors or the screenplay. I think he worked with Scorsese. Yeah. My Blue Heaven, sweetie. It's only you coming know, it's in one year. It's dangerous for you to be here in the frozen food section. What is that? Because you could melt all this stuff. By the way, my name's Chardine. Hi, you're Chardine. What's yours? My name's Todd. Todd? That's a beautiful name. It's Italian for extra special. Extra special. That's like you me, are extra special. Right? Todd is the funniest name they could give him because he's not always a Todd. Todd. Todd is always <laughs> Todd. Um, in the DVD commentary for the film, Henry Hill said that he still had nightmares about when he, Tommy, and Jimmy murdered Billy Bats. Oh, it's horrible. Awful. Robert De Niro was offered either the role of Jimmy the Gent Conway or Tommy. He chose Jimmy, Jimmy the Gent. Scorsese originally wanted to use Frank Sinatra's version of My Way. However, Sinatra would not allow Scorsese to acquire the rights to his version of the song, so he used Sid Vicious. Henry Hill, convicted of another crime, eventually spent 14 years in prison after getting his immunity. Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought he would. Well, and the thing is, is what, where would he have learned? Like, yeah, he he got in the witness protection program, but you've been built for something completely different. Well, that's what's so funny. That's what My Blue Heaven is all about. Yes. He's in the witness protection program. And then he goes and becomes a criminal anyways. Correct. We got to do My Blue Heaven for do pop we? culture. I oh, don't know. Such a good movie. I, you like that better than I Steve do. Steve Martin is hilarious. I love Steve Martin, but that movie you have always quoted, Ugh. you're going to melt all the stuff. Chuck Lau, who plays Maury, is actually De Niro's real estate agent. Oh, Maury yeah. with the wigs? Yes. And he was kind of like... He was so annoying. I you w- know what he was? He was the fly. He was the fly. Yes. Rosalind's term. Exactly. He was the guy who was like, oh my God, shut him up. And I was shocked in that first scene where you meet Maury, mm-hmm. where Henry was always kind of the the bridge, like mm-hmm. the middleman, yeah, like right. quit talking. And then Jimmy chokes him yes. and you think he's going to kill him. Right. But then Maury doesn't learn from that. No. Yeah, Maury has no... He's clueless. He's very clueless. He sells the wigs. The scene in which Tommy kills Spider was mostly improvised. The only line that was said as scripted was Spider's, why don't you go fuck yourself, Tommy? I Did I not... How many times have I seen this movie and I looked at you and I'm like, why does he say that? I know. I get so angry at Christopher. Because he got shot in the foot. I would think how mad you'd be. And and my whole point is, I understand, Todd, but if the guy shot you in the foot, Mm -hmm. saying that is the end of your life. Yeah. And that's that other thing about let him disrespect you or quit working there, Christopher. Go sit on... Somebody's dog. Sit on a potsy. Do you remember when he sits on her he dog? Did. He killed the dog because he was on drugs. Oh, he was in The Sopranos. Any last at last takes on um, this movie before we sign off? As I said, as a 48-year-old woman, I probably wouldn't choose this movie. Mm-hmm. But when I saw it in my 20s, I saw it a lot. It was just part of our generation. It's a fabulous filmmaking I, you never leave it, meaning nope. it's hard to walk away from that movie. Yeah. Once you jump in, you're in. Um, and I'm excited to see The Irishman. That's right. Because supposedly it's somewhat of a commentary on Goodfellas and Casino. Uh, I'm excited, too. We'll yeah. see what happens. All right. All right. Uh, subscribe to Zen Parenting, for goodness sakes. Keep trucking. Adios. Adios.
Thanks for listening, everyone. Remember to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode and feel free to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It helps people find us. Also subscribe to our Zen Parenting Radio podcast, where we discuss self-awareness and mindfulness, sharing the latest research and pop culture. We're on our ninth year, but there's still always something new to discuss. Do you want more Zen Parenting? Check out our third podcast, otherwise known as Team Zen. One of our team members described it as an advice column meets group help meets like-minded community. With your $25 subscription, you get two live Zen Talks with an opportunity to ask us live questions, plus a Facebook community where you can interact or just listen to like-minded parents. If you can't join us live, you can still access all the Zen Talks through the Team Zen Podcast app. Zen Parenting Conference 2020 is February 28th and 29th. We'll be discussing sex ed, gender, anxiety, neurodiversity, and healthy relationships. Go to zenparentingconference.com to get your tickets. Interested in inviting us to speak at your conference or organization? Go to zenparentingradio.com and submit a speaker request. And while you're there, check out our upcoming events or you can purchase one of my three books. If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link under the Support Us link on our homepage. It doesn't cost anything to you, but we get a small commission from Amazon. And guys, I have a one-on-one coaching practice. It's called Coaching for Guys. You want to achieve a better work-life balance or deepen your relationships with loved ones? We can talk in person, phone, FaceTime, you choose. And don't forget about Tribe Men's Group. We have a virtual community from men all over the world. Head on over to tribemensgroup.org or shoot me an email at Todd at ZenParentingRadio.com. It's an opportunity for guys to come together and talk about what really matters. Finally, I want to give a special thanks to our founding partner, Jeremy Kraft. He's a bald-headed beauty, and the company he has is Avid. They do painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. Go to avidco.net or give him a call at 630-956-1800. Thanks for all your love and support, and keep on trucking.